This is a Demon FM podcast. You are listening to Geek Speak, the podcast where we talk all things geeky and nerd is the word. With me, your host, Reese. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Geek Speak. This one is recorded in quarantine during all of this coronavirus madness, but that will not stop us from absolutely geeking out. And today we're going to be talking about one of, if not my absolute favourite video game franchises ever in all the world, in all of the history of the universe. It is Kingdom Hearts and joining me is... Another Kingdom Hearts super fan and a very good friend of mine, Chloe. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Kingdom Hearts is a game that we both love very much. I think it was one of our key bonding points when we first started at university, aside from both being yeah, I like... I think I wore that uh, Sora hoodie that I have and you commented on it. I think that's like one of the only people who ever had noticed <laughs> what it is. I can, I can remember that. Yeah, she looked adorable. <laughs> I wish I had a Sora hoodie myself. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that. First of all, what we like to do here on Geek Speak is like a little nerdy question round thing that I'm going to put you through because I've put everyone else through okay. it. And it's just to find out a little bit more about you as a geek and what kind of adventure you'd like to go on. All right. Question one is, you're starting out on your journey as a young Pokemon trainer. And you get a choice of five starter Pokemon to pick from. So okay. you've got Bulbasaur, Charmander, Squirtle, Pikachu, and Eevee. Which one do you choose? Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur. Yep. That was quick and fast, no question. Literally a cabbage on a weird-looking slug <laughs> thing. I love it. <laughs> a cabbage on a, a cabbage on a frog, really. Yeah, exactly. What's not to love about that? The OG number one. The second question is, which of these fictional universes would you rather live in? Would you rather live in the Lord of the Rings universe, the Harry Potter universe, or the Star Wars universe? Uh, Probably Lord of the Rings universe. Yes. Which part of it? I think we've discussed this before. I think you'd be quite comfortable living as a hobbit. Look, I know I'm small, but I'm not that small, right? I wasn't saying anything. Uh, no, it's just what you implied. <laughs> Chloe's very petite. Oh, not that petite. No, you're average height, really, aren't you? I think I'm a bit below average. But... A bit below average. Oh, my God, me in all aspects of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Intellectually, socially. Yeah, big mood. And the third question is, and I get the feeling that you might recognise this one. Three weapons appear before you. The power of the mystic, a mysterious rod holding unknown power, inner strength, a staff of wonder and ruin, the power of the guardian, a shield to repel all, kindness to aid friends, a shield to protect loved ones, or the power of the warrior, invincible courage, a sword of terrible destruction and the will to stand against anything. Pick one. Guardian. Power of the shield. Yes. Yeah. Because that segues us on nicely into our topic of choice, because those are the three like statistic options at the start of Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. I never actually found out what difference it made, which one you pick, though. So you get a little extra boost in the stat you prefer. 
Because you, okay. you have like magic, defense, and attack, don't you? Strength. That's it. Strength, well, not attack. No matter how much strength you get in magic, Donald will still never heal you properly. <laughs> or at least not at the same time. Yeah, always at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah. It also affects what abilities you can unlock, unlock at which levels. Okay. So, like, Guardian, you unlock supportive abilities earlier compared to if you chose the sword or the staff. Okay. Because I checked it. I was like, what difference does it actually make? And that's it, apparently. <laughs> I always go for the staff, personally, because yeah. I would like the idea of inner strength. But that's just me. The shield has been very popular when I've asked this question as well. I think everyone's chosen the shield so far. Well, I suppose it's just nice for protection, isn't it? <laughs> everyone's like, I want to protect my friends. And I'm like, I want inner strength. <laughs> I also just like the idea of like hurling lightning bolts at people. So yes, Kingdom Hearts, for those of you that don't know or need a recap, it's this weird but wonderful collaboration between Disney and Square Enix and Final Fantasy, which upon first hearing it, you might think, WTF, how does that work as a concept, let alone for a video game? And it surprisingly does. I was shocked by how much I loved and adored the games when I first played them, because it does throw this weird, just this weird concept at you, but it's so good and so enjoyable. I remember playing Kingdom Hearts, the first one for the first time, and it was just, it opened up this whole con brilliant concept of, of, of wonder it was just so good especially for the time i think it was like a 2002 ps2 game but like yeah. the, how advanced it was compared to others it left them in the dust it was visually stunning story-wise okay it made very little sense actually do you know what i'd say <laughs> out of all of the games the first one is probably the, only, the one that makes the most sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a chain of memories, and that's just an absolute freak show of events that's going on. Like when Riku stood there facing himself. Uh... That that's one of my favourite internet things, where it's like, imagine Walt Disney coming out of cryogenic stasis and someone having to explain the plot of Kingdom Hearts to him, and I'm just like, because I think even as even as fans, we don't have a full grasp on it. No, like especially like the secret ending at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. I was like, I've got no idea what that <laughs> relates to. Every ending to Kingdom Hearts, let's be real. <laughs> but I, I think at some point you kind of just learn to enjoy the ride for what it is and just, you know, take it with a pinch of salt. And, yeah. You, you know, the fact that there are bits where the plot does get a bit murky, it doesn't detract away from your ability to enjoy the game. I don't know, unless you're in like... Uh, Atlantis world like being a mermaid in that game sucked so bad I prefer Atlantica in Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts 2 where you have the cringy sing-along mini game oh, I hate I hated that so much that's probably the it's least just, popular level yeah and the most harrowing image is just Donald Duck as a squid he's a duck <laughs> he can already swim yeah but not underwater I just give him a mask. It was like, there's no need to go, hmm, a duck. What can we make him into? And someone just goes, a squid. And everyone's like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> it's pretty gross. Whereas Goofy as a turtle is very appropriate. Even during yeah, the Lion like King a turtle. world. Yeah, he's a turtle in the Lion King. 
<laughs> slow and steady, but sturdy or goofy. Yes. So the plot is to give you the rundown of like the early steps, listeners. Um, three kids live on an island and dream of like adventuring out there and seeing other places and other worlds. Sora, Riku, and Kairi. And basically, they get sw- their, their world gets swallowed by darkness and these monstrous creatures called the Heartless. And the adventure begins from there. They end up visiting different worlds. Most of them are. Disney worlds and Sora meets up in teams up with Donald and Goofy uh, who are searching for King Mickey Mouse and yeah chaos ensues from there and it's just been one long run from that fateful event I mean what is it that you personally love about the series the most like any particularly fond memories of particular moments in the game um well my first Kingdom Hearts game wasn't actually the first one it was 358 over two days so Roxas hasn't got a clue what's going on and that was extremely <laughs> relatable and neither do I you like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like I've got no I'm, I'm with you man I don't know what's going on either favourite memory with it though is probably just how sad 358 over two days is like, I think it's the most harrowing Kingdom Hearts game I still haven't finished Birth by Sleep though and a lot of people seem to think that's the saddest but Roxas loses his best friend. She literally just turns into crystal and then yeah. fades away. She crumbles <laughs> away like Rivita on the wind. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it is the most haunting. Um, actually, because Birth by Sleep, they all get it. Like the three protagonists in that all end up screwed over. But yeah. the focus that is given to Shion is more haunting, I think. That's what makes it most impactful with that and Roxas's like naivety and the fact that you start as you say you start off with him like alone and unknowing but then as you've gone on through the series you've grown with Shion and Axel yeah and just that that trio got so like overlooked in Kingdom Hearts 3 Shion's there for like 20 minutes yeah (sighs) I mean we'll get to Kingdom Hearts 3 because that's been the latest entry in the series and I have a lot of thoughts about it and I want to talk to you about um, predictions for what comes next I mean we've kind of touched upon this your favourite characters you're allowed to pick more than one yeah within the series which character just does it for you and if you can explain why I mean, if I did, like, say, have to pick one, I'd probably pick Axel. He's just so realistic with what's going on. And he's just like, oh, you know, that's just the way it is. And undershafts, like, the uh, organisation. Yeah. Just to prove everything, right? The Orgy 13. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, he is, because there's a particular line where he's... What is it? Why do I always get stuck with the icky jobs? And he has that showdown with... Roxas and Shion, where that I can't. One of them's rebelling. I think it's Shion, and like he has to fight her and bring her back. And he's oh, just like, where he just like karate chops her against the neck, and she passes out. Or is that another? Thing that's there? Riku. This yeah. is in outside the mansion in Twilight Town, where they're like, ha- that's it. Shio's gone on. Shio. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't talk. Shion's gone on the lamb, and Roxas has tracked her down, and then Axel finds them, and he's like, "You think yeah, you can just do what you want?" And then. Summons his weapons and is like literally drags her back and then collapses. Uh, yeah, that happens like parallel to uh, Chain of Memories, doesn't it? That timeline. She's trying to find Sora at that yes. point. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 
that it is more well thought out than you initially realise, especially when you look back on the series and watch how scenes reflect on each other. Yeah, but they don't release it in chronological order, so it's just so no. confusing if you play it and release it. Because <laughs> my playing experience was Kingdom Hearts 1, Kingdom Hearts 2, then 358 and a half days, then Birth by Sleep, then Chain of Memories, then 3D, and then Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm missing. Kingdom Hearts Coded, I've never actually played. I never finished it. I was like 12 when that came out, and I got stuck on this one bit. And then I think I lost the game card and was like, ah, it really wasn't that important, was it? So I just <laughs> thought the main character was Roxas, and I was like, I don't know who this kid is, nor do I care. <laughs> <laughs> it was essentially a rehash of the previous games, I suppose. Yeah, it's something to do with Jiminy's journal, and I was like, yes. I don't so, care about this character. Yeah, so like all of the data in his journal had been of the worlds they'd visited had been reconstructed into data, and a data version of Sora was exploring them, trying to get rid of a virus, yeah, and, and that was weird, it, basically. Like, red cubes. Yes. Yeah. And that was basically it. It was just reliving previous adventures and touched upon the fact that um, several hearts were connected to Sora's that we don't know about yet. Well, Sora didn't know about yet, but we knew about because we knew it was mm. like Terra Aqua and Ventus and Nomine and Roxas and Shion and all that. So I don't feel like I've missed out much by not playing that game. I might get round to it at some point just to, you know, to have a full set kind of thing. But yeah. Yeah. But favourite character is Axel. Mine's Aqua. Obviously. Just because she's such, like, a badass queen. Like, her, yeah. char- her characterization in Birth by Sleep is a bit shaky at points for me. But towards the end, I'm, like, sobbing, crying over her. And the fact that, all right, she can be a bit, like, pretentious and a bit... It sound- She sounds patronising, but really she's, like, she is very compassionate. She's very sort of um, what's the word? Like, just she believes. Yes, as well. she believes in her duty as a Keyblade Master as well. She takes what she does very seriously. But yeah, she's she gives up everything to save Ventus and Terra, and yeah, come like the not successfully though. Well, <laughs> kind of no, not successfully. Again, that's probably why I find it most harrowing, because despite everything that they've all been through and that they all gave up, not just Aqua, but uh, Aqua in particular, I'm just like, God, yes, they managed to like temporarily stop Xehanort, but like at the cost, though, like their master like yeah. died as well. Just um, getting sent to sleep until she's ready. And he's like there for what, like 15 years. Yes, something like that. 11, 12 yeah. years, I think. It doesn't age though. Like Aqua, I no. get, because time doesn't exist in the realm of darkness. Terra's body is no. possessed by someone else and he's brought through time. But yeah, Ventus, despite being asleep for 10 years, 10 plus years, doesn't age. Yeah, and he just got up and started walking. Like, like that would rigor mor- happen. He'd have to rest. Rigor mortis doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is a fantasy series, and who needs the laws of physics, really? <laughs> they certainly don't exist within this game. Um, no. <laughs> but yes, Aqua's my favourite. Gameplay-wise as well, just because she was something different at that point. Like, yeah. she, she was very acrobatic. And very like swirly, and she was magic oriented mostly. 
Yeah, she moves like a ballerina. She has this particular move where she like spins around and unleashes like spheres of light to attack. But as she does it, the longer she does it, like her head, her foot slowly lifts to the back of her head. And it's like, yes, queen, work, serve. Not only is she kicking ass, but she looks fabulous while she's doing it. That sounds really cool to be fair. I support that. Yes. And she, uh, yeah, I've, she's one of my, actually goes so far as to say she's one of my favourite fictional characters ever. Wow. Yes. I love her very much so. And again, we'll get on to Kingdom Hearts 3 in a minute. As we've said before, they there are a lot of like worlds and settings in this game. Yeah. A lot of them based on Disney and a few original worlds. Is there a particular world that is your favourite? Or out, if there's more than one, what particular worlds like did you find the most fun or the most like beautiful to be in? I think like my favourite non-Disney world is Twilight Town. Just mm. again because 358 over two days happens primarily there. I was really upset that none of the other games that you go through, like the subway bit that that game has, and you don't actually get to go to the clock tower, but it's still just constantly sunset, which is so pretty to watch. It is. But I have a favorite Disney one. I want to say Mulan, but the world wasn't that exciting when they portrayed it in Kingdom Hearts 2. So maybe. Is it the Kingdom of Corona? The yes, tangled the Tangled kingdom. World in Kingdom Hearts 3. Just wandering through the forest. I got lost and it's frustrated <laughs> me, but it was so pretty. It was a pleasurable frustration. You were just like, where, <laughs> yeah. the, where on earth am I? But who cares? Look how pretty everything is. <laughs> yeah, the lantern scene. I was like, oh, this is great. I was <laughs> delighted by how close that stuck to like the original film. I loved it. Mm. I was so here for it. And the fact that they got most of the voice cast as well to come back for that world. Like, yeah, it was amazing. Love it. Especially like, um, what's his name? Zachary Quinto? Not Zachary Quinto. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi, that's it. Zachary Quinto's um, Spock in Star Trek. Uh, yes, Zachary Levi and Mandy Moore. Yes, living, gorgeous. Especially the bit where you like just roll down that hill of wildflowers and then come out on the beach. That's the best bit. I was like, it's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my favourite world personally, a non-Disney one, is Hollow Bastion in Kingdom Hearts 1. Like Birth by Sleep Hollow Bastion or after? No, like literally Kingdom Hearts 1 Hollow Bastion where like in the first game where you team up with Beast. Kind of, yeah, but the music's really beautiful and I love exploring Mm. the castle. That's what I've wanted in the following games in 2 and 3. I wanted to go back there and explore that giant castle because I reckon that's got a lot more secrets to it. Yeah, it might play a pivotal role if they're doing more with the game series i hope so they've they suggest it again we mm. i've got some ideas i want to discuss with you and run by you and we'll see but yes hollow bastion in kingdom hearts one just the haunting music the haunting atmosphere just yeah the fact that you get to explore this like majestic grand castle i love it it's one of my favorites levels in video games every time Despite that, I've played through the games about 500 gajillion times. Every time I get to Hollow Bastion for that first time and get to explore it, I've there's a tingle of excitement about me. I just love it. And then I'm always really gutted when it's over because it's like, oh, well, high point, gone. Oh, that's another thing. The soundtrack for the games is the best. It's I so love good. it. I revise to it all the time. Same, because... 
Yoko Shimomura is the composer and she is phenomenal. Well, just that opening theme of Dearly Beloved on the start yeah. menu, beautiful. It's probably my favourite composed piece of music. I've got a lot of favourite things with Kingdom Hearts, hence why it's like my favourite game franchise. It's so good. Like, and it does. she does a really good job of composing scores that are traditional to the Disney scores, but managed to like distinguish itself from it as well, in a sense. So like throughout yeah. throughout the world of Atlantica, you can hear the of Under the Sea. It drove me insane. Well, yes, that's the best example I can think of at this moment. But it still like has a little twinge to it that makes it different. And big boss fights, you get these grand orchestral scores. I think they actually like hide out an orchestra to perform these pieces and yeah, just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And I highly recommend listening to the uh, Kingdom Hearts World Tour orchestras just to hear all of the music acoustically. Fabulous. Amazing. Oh, I never gave my favourite Disney World. Sorry, I keep going off on tangents, but that's the point of this, to geek out over it. My favourite Disney World. Oh, Oh, I didn't expect this question for myself. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Kingdom of Corona as well, just because it's so pretty to be in. It's so it visually is. beautiful and fun to explore. Yeah, I'm going to go with Kingdom of Corona. Yeah, um, I really liked Olympus too, though, because you got to explore that over like all of Finally, the right? After being in like literally every single title. It was in Kingdom Hearts 1 as just the Colosseum. It was in 358 and a half days as, again, just the Colosseum. It was in Kingdom yeah. Hearts 2. Okay, you got to explore the underworld, but again, mostly the Colosseum. Mm. And then I think it appeared in like Rechain of Memories and Coded as well. Again, you couldn't yeah, really Yeah, it's just the Colosseum. And then it was in Birth by Sleep and there was a little outside bit you could explore, but that was it. But this time we (laughs) finally get to fully explore the city of Thebes and climb Mount Olympus and get through those golden gates. And yeah, that was a big payoff. Also the um, city scape exploring aspect of the um, San Francisco Big Hero 6 world. That That was was cool. That was so big. That was. I mean, I think the Caribbean was the biggest level. Well, I'm glad they finally uh, changed Sora's look for parts of the Caribbean. Because in Kingdom Hearts 2, he just looks ridiculous. He, he looks so out, out of place. Thumb. Yeah, same. I'm really glad that they uh, gave him a new loot. And Donald and Goofy as well. And I'm yeah. delighted with how the parts of the Caribbean world turned out. Because out of all of them, it's the only live action one. Oh, and they, yeah, it is. And they did it really well. Like... Elizabeth and Jack and Will all look like each other. The voice acting for the most part is spot on, especially with Jack Sparrow. Didn't they get Johnny Depp in for Kingdom Hearts 3D? No, I don't think so. I'm gonna have a qu- I'm gonna have a quick Google of that. No, he was voiced differently by someone in Kingdom Hearts 3 from Kingdom Hearts 2. He was actually voiced by Jared Butler. But yes, apparently that is who voices Jack Sparrow. But they do a bang up job. Like I was convinced. Yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean world, I think, is the biggest in Kingdom Hearts 3. Because they give you the whole like a big ocean section to explore. And then this town of Port Royal. I finding how many crabs did you have to find in that mission? It was like 500 or something stupid, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, I hated that mission. I was OK with that. 
it just gave, I just did it whilst I was like treasure hunting on the miniature islands and everything. Because you can collect like a load and it will like improve the ship that you get to steer. You know, when you are sailing. Yeah, my first playthrough of Kingdom Hearts 3, you know the gummy ship bit? Yeah, I never once upgraded my ship once. Did you not? I proper built... No, I hated those bits. I tried to go through them as quick as I could until it came to like the penultimate world where there's like this big boss and I died like five times because I just had this really bad <laughs> tiny petite shit <laughs> yeah oh, then I realised I probably should have paid more attention to that bit creating a ship is laborious I mean it's kind of satisfying in KH3 because you get to customise it a bit more you get to add like patterns and prints and everything um, see like I just never cared I enjoy exploring the gummy spaceways, though. I prefer it in Kingdom Hearts 3 more than any other of the games. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 1, it's kind of like Space Invaders, where you kind of just drift from side (laughs) to side and shoot everything out of the way. KH2, it's probably my least favourite version of, like, the gummy ships, because it's just like, I don't know, it's just like, you move really fast and drift along, and it's... A bit, I don't know. I just didn't find it mega enjoyable. Like I would never go back and try to beat my score on it or anything, or get a high score. Um, it's not only that, but it's just not memorable. Like trying no. the Kingdom Hearts two gummy ship missions, I don't remember anything. Vaguely, nothing worth mm-hmm. standing out. Whereas Kingdom yeah. Hearts three, it's like space travel. And yes, you, they've and added you, a lot more in. You unlock treasures and. Um, you have to complete a gummy mission to get an Orichalcum Plus to forge the Ultima weapon. And I I found it much more fun. Also, you get like resources in like the um, asteroid fields. So if you just blast yeah. the a- asteroids like to pieces over and over again, you get like upgrades for your keyblades and stuff. And it was really cool. So we've talked a lot about Kingdom Hearts 3 already, but I want to ask you, what were your thoughts on this latest entry? I found it quite underwhelming. Did you really? Yeah, it was all that build-up, and it was like, we're going to finally reunite, like, all the trios, and until, like, the final, like, five hours, you don't actually see that happen at all. Like, you see Kyrie and Axel maybe, like, three times, and Aqua, like, twice. Yeah. So, and I finally got to go to the world that, like, never was, and they're trying to, like, rescue Ventus. I was like, finally, and it only lasted, like, 40 minutes. And I was like, oh, right, that was it. <laughs> I get what you mean. I thought they were going to save, like, a different person with each world kind of thing. That would have been cool, yeah. Because you're given, what are there, like, 10 worlds to explore? Yeah, there's a fair few. And there's, like, at least five people that need rescuing. So that it wouldn't have mm. to be for every single world. It could be like every two worlds or something. But I thought that's how it was going to play out. And I thought there was going to be a bit more, um, you know, diff- you could play as different characters, but a bit more freely. Because there are specific yeah. battles where you play as Riku or Aqua. Mm. But I wanted Which to... Which is not enough. No, I wanted it to be like where you could pick them and... Yeah. play through it like what i would have been happy with what i wanted from it was is like okay the first time you visit a world you have to play through it as sora and donald and goofy but on all subsequent visits to the world you can play as a different character yeah it was it felt a bit like disney overrode the storyline and square enix didn't 
put their story into the Disney world as much yeah. as they have done before. I've noticed that with recent, the more recent games is that the Final Fantasy characters have taken quite a backseat in it. Yeah, because they were really prominent in the first one, at least. The first and the second one, definitely. And it was yeah. just that nice contrast of, it, again, Disney with, you know, all these adorable looking Disney characters with the spiky haired, crazy characters of Final Fantasy. The main input from Final Fantasy is the combat system and like the types of magic used and the summons and all that. Yeah. And the Moogles. But I just wish that, as you say, I think they, they detracted from a lot of what could have been done storyline wise. And it's it's weird. I think because of how long the game took to make, because of how long Final Fantasy uh, 15 took to make, I think. Not, I don't think they rushed it per se. I just think that they didn't do as much as they could have done to yeah, round it up. Kyrie didn't get that storyline that everyone was hoping she would. No. And I must admit, I was one of those people that was hoping she'd get that storyline. Because yeah. com- compared to where she debuted in 2002, to compared to where we are now, like, I mean, there's always been a demand for strong female characters, but now more than ever... Like, okay, make her the damsel in distress once. All right, we'll work with it. But to do it again in three. Yeah, she went through it, all that training with Master Yensid and nothing came of it. <laughs> she easily just gets grabbed and dragged away. I mean, you've yeah. not you've not played the Remind DLC yet, have you? No, I haven't had a chance to yet. Okay, because, oh, I don't know how to give you spoilers or not. Please don't. <laughs> it would be more like who you get to play as. I've heard that you get to play as other people. I saw like the trailer and there was definitely more focus on the uh, Square Enix original characters rather than Disney's. I will say you get to play as Kyrie at one point. Interesting. And she is pretty cool, especially for the battle that you can choose her for. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to play it. You will. Yeah, at some point. But <laughs> play it now, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you want, I can set up my webcam and you can watch me play it through. No, it's not the same thing, but thanks. <laughs> In terms of, I was really happy with like the world designs and, you, you know, the glow up that the series had had in terms of its graphics and everything. Yeah. It was the, it was the plot and the storyline more than anything. I just wanted that little bit more versatility in terms of playable characters. Because all of these characters, like the, the central 10, I'm going to call them. So, like, yeah. What's the other one? Is it Mickey? No, I was like Sora, uh, Riku, Kyrie, Roxas, Shion, Axel, or Lee, as he's now known, uh, Nomine, Terra, Ventus, Aqua. All of them are pretty beloved characters. I was disappointed with the lack of Nomine in this as well. Um, Not much at all. But I was really hoping that. Sorry, I keep losing my trail of thought. I just wanted a bit more from and for all of them. I wanted the chance to play as Ventus and Terra and Aqua and Shion and Roxas. You know, give everyone their moment to shine, even if it was just like one level or a side quest type thing. Yeah. That's what I wanted. Just because it would, as much as I love Sora as a character, and obviously he's the main character, it it just would have been nice to have, you know, fleshed out the universe a bit more. And said, oh, yeah. this isn't just about Sora. This isn't just Sora's journey. This is everyone's journey. All of these characters are a vital part of it and they're all here. That's what I wanted. Yeah, I don't get along with Sora at all. 
Oh, I think we've you've mentioned this before. You don't, do you? No, he's too happy. Everything he's gone through is like, oh, my friends are by power. No, no, they're not. Get stronger yourself, man. She's so annoying to me. She's That's too happy part of about his everything. Charm. It's not charming. It's annoying. Would you prefer Riku to be the protagonist then? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, he's still a bit moody, and he's like a bit of an edge lord. Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot he'd get a lot more grope from people, but I just don't like Sora being that happy like when he's sad I'm like yes finally but then he finds a way to make it happy and like no no because he hits a real low point in Kingdom Hearts 3 doesn't he towards the final battle like he completely just like screams and fills with like despair and I yeah, think it's I think it, it's it more, more emotional that's more impactful though because we've only ever seen him like cheery happy-go-lucky mm, that's true yeah I see what you mean. He could do with a few more like raw emotion, emotive moments instead of like just shrugging everything off. Yeah. I still love him. <laughs> still, still an icon, except for those shoes. I just wish they would reduce his shoe size down a bit. I, yeah, I really wish they'd done something about that. Kyrie got normal boots, but uh, thank God. Person didn't. So, is there anything like more that you wanted from the latest game? Mm. I think more just independence of the storyline from Disney. Just there was so much potential. And also I found like the boss battles weren't actually that hard. I think I died like two times when playing Asora during mm. that game. And like I defeated Xehanort, like the final boss battle first time without needing to use much of the potions and magic that I had either. I think the attractions kind of ruined it a bit. Oh my god! Too easy. Oh my. Okay, so the attraction flow at times really handy, at other times just really irritating. Yeah. Yeah. Like I accidentally press it, and now I'm on a teacup ride when I'm trying to fight a boss. But I'm like, no, this isn't what I wanted. And the worst thing about it is, is the music that starts playing. So you get, you get, obviously, like, say you're in, like, the middle of this big boss fight. And as I say, you've got this grand epic score, dramatic score going on in the background. And that, like, really suits the mood and the battle. And then you act, you start attraction flow. And then all of a sudden it's like, and it just completely kills the mood off. No, I wasn't a massive fan of the attraction flows. At times, yeah, it only ever made sense when you're on the mountain with the Titan. Like, this is a big enemy. It makes so much sense. Yes. But when it's like, here's a horse, like that weird horse and night ride in a, the world of Tangled and stuff. Yeah. I was like, it's just not necessary. No. I mean, I would have pref- if they wanted to do an attraction flow that badly, I would have said pick one of the ones that they set up and do it like as a one off in each. Yeah. world like as a an event for a specific battle or whatever so like the whole pirate ship thing they could have easily put that in the pirates of the caribbean world yeah it was handy at times it was it was the music more than anything that put me off i just didn't think it was, it was just was... irritating it didn't need to be as frequent as it was no I, well, I didn't i can't remember if they released an option with the D, uh remind dlc where you could switch off attraction flow that'd be great i can't remember i don't remember it coming up much in the DLC Remind that I played. So unless it was just for that, but it would be good yeah. if they could do it for the whole of the rest of the game as well. Yeah, it just became tedious after a while. It did. And it's not like you've not got enough like different fighting styles already. 
you've got yeah because of the attractions i never had to use summons and which is a shame because they give you some good summons yeah i think i accidentally used the wreck it ralph one and i didn't know what i was doing so neither, did <laughs> neither did i the dream eaters one was my favorite because i love the dream eaters same so cute so adorable three was a mixed bag i find after playing yeah. the Remind DLC, I feel better about it, how it ended. Okay. And then I've got a load of theories about what the next saga will entail. Yeah, because this is technically um, the end of the first saga, isn't it? Yeah, no more. I said this is the end of the Xehanort Chronicles. And I was like, what do you mean? Xehanort Chronicles is in the end of the game? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I reckon they can do a fair bit more with it still. As we've said, they've got a lot of like uh, bits of the Final Fantasy side they can do with it. And yeah, I wanted to go for the organisation more, though. You wanted to f- focus on them more? Yeah, because 358 Days did, you know, a good amount. But in the rest of the games, they're just, they just appear, cause havoc, and then leave again. You and then yeet. Into, like, the yeah. yeah. I think we might get more of that in the next game and this is where i'm going to start to go on to the theories so at the end of kingdom hearts 3 we see zigbar who turns out to be lushu meeting with yeah. the, the five four of the five foretellers from kingdom hearts key or kingdom hearts x whatever you'd like to call it which is a game on android mobile which i haven't played but no, i I've try and keep it. i try and keep up to date with the storyline of it all because that takes place like it doesn't specify how long. It could be centuries, it could be millennia, it could be millions of years, whereby it sort of explains the origins of Keyblade Wielders and the Keyblade War and the Great Light that is Kingdom Hearts. So yeah, Kingdom Hearts Key or X sort of explains the origins of Keyblade Wielders and the light and all that sort of thing. The significance of the foretellers is... Each of them is named after and kind of alludes to, in their animal format, one of the seven deadly sins. Okay. So, Era, the unicorn guy, uh, Era is Latin for wrath. Envy is uh, Invida, which is envy, which uh, is symbolized by a snake. Yeah, that one's a bit on the nose. (laughs) Um, Ased, which is the big, booming-voiced bear guy. His name comes from Asedio, which means sloth. And that's symbolised by a bear. Uh, the only one that doesn't fit the the uh, sin and animal motif is Gula, the leopard guy. Uh, Gula is gluttony and is usually symbolised by a pig. But I get that like a leopard is much more dynamic than a pig. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then you have Arva, who created the dandelions, uh, who comes from Avarisha, which is greed and is symbolised by a fox. Now, Lushu is short for luxuria which is lust and is symbolized by a goat. And if you follow the series, like the main keyblade that Xehanort uses has a goat's head on it. Mm -hmm. And that keyblade was handed down from Lushu to his apprentice and then his apprentice after him and until eventually it reached Xehanort. Yes. Um, Not only that, but it's great for like, you know, the like almost like demonic symbolism as well which helped paint Xehanort yeah. as um, a villain uh, so the last one then is the master of masters um, who vanishes even like before the main events of Kingdom Hearts key start and like the six 
others. And his that the sin left over from that is pride or superbia, and is represented by a griffin, a lion, or a peacock. So yeah. that sort of situates like the four the foretellers that seem to be setting up to play a major role in the next game as you know this seven sins theme. And what do we have in contrast to the seven sins? Seven virtues. How many princesses of, of heart are there? Seven. Oh my god. And each sin has like an opposition. So for lust, it's chastity. For gluttony, it's temperance and like self-control. Greed, it's charity. Sloth, it's like diligence. Wrath is patience. Envy is gratitude. And pride is humility. And I can see each of the new seven princesses representing one of the virtues and being, I don't know, perhaps targeted or being involved with one of the um, foretellers. Yeah, I didn't know that. Wow, a lot of thought went into yeah, that. That's my theory. So, like, I hope they introduce Tiana in a future That'd game because she would be diligent because she is very hardworking. And I'm surprised they they probably do something with Brave as well. I'd imagine. I can imagine that. I mean, Kyrie is one of the remaining seven. She's the only one that's yeah. like crossed over from the past gen, but she's also a guardian of light. So I don't know if. Actually, that makes sense, because if one of the, the Masters of Masters is missing, then that's one princess left, isn't it? But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm seeing it going, or at least like the whole sins and virtues thing will tie into it in some way. Because I feel like the prin- the princesses of hearts were side shafted in Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. Yeah, they were they were, a, su- they were a subplot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it would have been too difficult for them to take... Cinderella and Snow White and Alice and whatnot out of their worlds and like put them into Twilight Town or something because that's happened yeah. before. Like Merlin and Fairy Godmother do it. Yeah, they do actually. Yeah. Um, and Donald and Goofy do it all the time. They're constantly outside of their own world. Um, but yeah, that kind of felt sideswept when it just felt so important to begin with in the first game. I, d- I don't know, but it seems to be coming back. And the current Princesses of Heart we have are Kyrie, Rapunzel, Anna, and Elsa. And like other candidates are Tiana, Moana, Merida. I feel like I'm missing one. Um, I can't remember now. My mind's gone blank. They don't have to be um, princesses necessarily. Like um, Alice wasn't from Alice in Wonderland in the first game. Could be Vanellope von Schwitz. No, I'd hate that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so seven new princesses, each representing a virtue. And then, as I say, the foretellers who each represent a sin will come into it. Because mm. like five of the original organisation are connected to the foretellers. Molusha, Larkseen, uh, I want to say like Luxord and Demix as well. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's suggested that, that obviously, um, Zigbar is Lushu, who's just transferred his heart down across through the generations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm hoping they'll take it. And I would be thrilled if that, if like my predictions came through. Yeah, that'd be great. That sounds really fun, to be honest. The adventure isn't over yet. What would you like to see from future games? I think we've like addressed that we just want a bit more of like a, a bit more plot commitment in terms of you know, the quality of it and what it delivers. Yeah. Um, I, don't even... I, this isn't like a major point, but just changing 
clothes would be great for the characters. Yes, a little bit of customization. Like protective gear. So I know you get like accessories and stuff. You don't actually get armor. You don't see it. Yeah, you don't see them. Yeah. So I think that'd be like an interesting like little thing to put in there. That could be cool. I don't know what else would could be put in there. What world? What Disney worlds would you like to see in the future? Mm, That's a very interesting question. I think they need to do more of the Sleeping Beauty one. It was only ever in Birth by Sleep and not for long from what I can remember. No, the world levels in Birth by Sleep is quite short. Yeah, they're like doing more exploration f- of uh, Maleficent's castle. That'd well, cool. Maleficent's got to come back into it because she was kind of like a background presence in 3. And yeah. she's got big schemes because, oh yeah, they're looking for this black box, aren't they? Yeah appears at the end of the game with the foretellers and it's got like 13 locks on it and it's got this big secret in it and now i'm okay now i'm wondering it's like they're like a pandora's box analogy there yeah i thought that at first when they first mentioned it which i don't know but it's like there's they've left it open that they can do more with it i mean uh is technically dead or whatever or faded from existence (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So that would be good. Like the next game is the other characters venturing off to try and find out how to bring him back, where you do get to play as the other characters. You've got no choice but to. Yeah. And then like Sora comes back at the end of the like, or at the start of the very last level. Yeah. I trust Square Enix to do what they do. Again, I partially blame some of the shortcomings of Kingdom Hearts 3 of the fact that it spent so long in production, but the reason that it did is because of Final Fantasy Fifteen, which... I had no idea it was to do with that. Oh, yeah. Like, they prioritised that because Final Fantasy Fifteen was initially known part of Final Fantasy Thirteen's like, continuity, I think, and it was called Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen. Okay. Then it just was... I think it spent, what, 13, 15 years in development? <sighs> Yeah, when did 12 come out? No, when did 13 come out? Was 13 like 2008? Yeah, something like that. I wasn't very old when that came out. And then, yeah, yeah. I've not played Final Fantasy 15. I'm told good things about it. I'm told it looks good. I'm told it's got its faults as well. But yeah, it's because they devoted so much time into doing that and perfecting that. It didn't help as well, I don't think, that they created a new like graphics engine sort of midway yeah. through production of that. So. Everything that they'd done so far, they re- redid again. I don't know how much yeah, time that would take, but... Yeah, Breath of the Wild was meant to come out on the Wii U originally, wasn't it? But it took them that long to make it that they had to put it on the Switch as well. But what a debut game to play on for the Switch. I can't wait for it to go on sale. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for the sequel. But the Zelda series... Uh, I is think a... that's going to be pushed back. <laughs> Probably. Especially now. Yeah. I mean, yes, I must do a uh, geek speak on The Legend of Zelda at some point. I'll make a note of But yeah, <laughs> I mean, overall, I'm, as I say, after playing Remind, I've got some closure over Kingdom Hearts 3. And I still really enjoyed playing Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, yeah, I still cried when, like, all of them came together. Oh, God, yeah. Again, oh, yeah. There were tears, definitely. It, it just took so long to get there. And as you say, it was just a bit anticlimactic with how little exposure it got, kind of thing. Yeah. As you say, poor poor Shion and poor Terra like got like what fifteen minutes of screen time, if that. Yeah, and really 
I think I can say, not speaking just for you and me here, but for fans overall of the series, after how much we've emotionally invested in these characters, we just wanted more from it and more for them, for these characters. definitely. But yes, that's hit the end of everything I've got to discuss. Do you have any lasting thoughts you want to give? Any points you want to talk about? No, not that I can think of. Cool. Well, that has been the Kingdom Hearts special of Geek Speak. I've had so much fun talking about my favourite video game franchise. I will probably replay it over and over again until my dying day. <laughs> uh, I just, I love it so much. Even if it is bonkers and makes no sense and there are bits of it that are really cheesy, I just love it. And I'll never go yeah, over I can't it. wait, like, ten years for the next one to come out either. great. <laughs> I hear they're going for 20. No, (laughs) I hope not. The next instalment in the series is actually Kingdom Hearts Dark Path, I think. Mm -hmm. And it focuses on Xehanort and what drove him to becoming the Dark Keyblade master that he became kind of thing. Okay, That's on Android, I think, and PC mobile, something like that. But yes. That, sadly, that's all we've got time for in today's episode. I want to say a massive thank you to you for joining me, Chloe. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to... <laughs> JK, we're in quarantine. Um... <laughs> uh, yes, sad times in reality. But we've always got Kingdom Hearts to turn to to play. But yes, thank you so much for joining us. And we might see you again soon for another Geek Speak episode. Who knows? Thank you very much for joining us. And everyone stay safe. Take care. Bye. Oh no, is it over? Well, don't worry, because if you head on over to Demon FM Podcasts on Anchor, you can listen to all of our other podcasts, as well as keep an ear out for any new episodes. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and more. Go on. Have a listen. I support you.